Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Welcome to Honey Do Me, a podcast that goes into the bedroom and beyond. Hosted by Emma Norman and Cass Anderson. Here at Honey Do Me, we don't have all the answers. So we chat with experts, educators, and badass changemakers to get them. We are here to remind our listeners and ourselves that what we're going through is normal. That we are worthy of love and pleasure. And that we are all in this together. So tell us, honey, how do you do you? Hi, how are you? Hi, I'm doing well. How are you, Cass? I'm doing okay. Good. Yeah. Glad to hear it. Well, today on Honey Do Me, we are talking about something near very, and dear to our hearts. Near and dear, very <laughs> applicable. Uh-huh. Um, how emotions play into sex, particularly stress, is mm-hmm. just one that comes to mind. Just on the tip of my tongue, I'm going to say yeah. stress. Not sure if anybody else is experiencing that right now, but that's just kind of where I'm at. Yep. When we dove into things about sex and our sex lives, I think this was something that was definitely on the front of my mind because especially during COVID and during stressful times, such as trying to work and trying to still make money, you know, stress was a big factor and I didn't really realize how much it could be playing into my sex life and kind of affecting how, how I'm in the mood, how I'm not in the mood. And it just, you start to like shame yourself. You start to, you know, really downplay how much this can have an impact on your life. Totally. I think I know for me, and I'm, I imagine this is true for other people. I have a tendency to forget that my sex life is connected to every other part of my life and that something that's happening outside of the bedroom, in the kitchen, in the living room, because I don't leave my house, um, like is going to affect what's happening in the bedroom. If I'm stressed about work, if I'm stressed, like if, you know, we're just not getting along in my relationship as much. Yeah. It's going to make it harder to have sex. I might not always be turned on. Yeah. And that's a really big thing that I had to learn too, which is something I learned when talking to someone else was like, oh, so your house is always messy. Oh, so this isn't always done when you walk in the door after a full day of work like go figure or like you just moved to Portland. Sure. All of these things are definitely going to be playing into your ability to get in the mood, get turned on because your mind is running and you don't really realize that you think of like, but shouldn't I just be really willing to enjoy and, you know, settle into this pleasure. And then you start thinking about like, well, then what's wrong with me? What's playing into like, what do I need to change about my life? And it's like, you know what? It's actually really normal. Yeah. It's completely normal and we just need to remember that like our internal is impacted by our external always Mm -hmm. and not shame ourselves for that because there's enough shitty stuff going around. We don't need to put more shit on ourselves. Right. And I think another thing that I start to internalize is, you know, what you see out there that people are like, oh, thank God I have my partner like this. I'm getting through this because of my partner (laughs) (laughs) or like sex and these romantic nights and you know, whatever. So lucky to get all this extra time together. (laughs) Like I haven't thought that once since COVID. (laughs) (laughs) Let's be real. (laughs) Like, okay, maybe in the beginning when you thought this could be fun, but I think Mm -hmm. definitely once it started becoming real and real life things were affected, like my income and everything else, you know, it it wasn't fun. Sex wasn't on my mind. I wasn't in the mood. My partner, obviously he's someone I want to rely on, but we weren't having like fun days every single day, you know, it's stressful. It's hard. And seeing that, you know, on your social media, like, Oh, that's so cute. We like made a picnic in the living room. It's like, I'm sure that was fun for you. Great. (laughs) I'm sure that was so fun, (laughs) but like that wasn't my reality. And it was hard Mm -hmm. to see that and then feel like I wasn't, my relationship wasn't living up to these like cute little standards that were supposed to be happening now that we have all this alone time. It's like, 
barf. A hundred percent. And I think that applies not only to like your relationship, but to yourself. Like, yeah. Are you using all your extra time to make sure that you're like working out and making super yeah. extra healthy Fuck recipes these goals and that like, people keep thinking mm, that we should be like, are you coming out of quarantine hotter than you went in? No, yeah. no, <laughs> like not. these things I've been lucky enough. I think we both have to see posts that have countered that a hundred percent. Um, but then I look at other people that maybe I don't interact with as much and their posts have been like, if you're not coming out of quarantine with a new skill, a better body, you know, this and that, whatever, like all that fucking bullshit, then like Fuck you, then you didn't utilize it. And it's like, actually, that's not true at all. People are going through so much like trauma mm-hmm. or, you know, stress right now. Like, no, go fucking shit that you're not coming out of this with a better body. Like, yes, I have 10 more pounds than I did. What of it? This is mm-hmm. my safety. <laughs> This made me happy. Yeah. Like we are, I don't know. Like I think a lot about the difference between thriving and surviving. Mm-hmm. And this is a survival time. This is, it's okay if you're not thriving right now. I'm not, I am, you know, I'm doing my best to use this time. Like the extra time that I have not having to commute to and from work to incorporate a little more meditation here and there, a little more, um, personal work, but I'm not doing that every day. I'm not using no. every spare minute I have. I've I'm watched sure not. a buttload of TV. TikTok. TikTok is oh. a cool and neat thing that I've learned about. <laughs> Isn't it? I just, it, it sucks to be going through all of this and then also feel like there is so much pressure from what we're experiencing as a collective, be it COVID, you know, we're currently experiencing the wildfires here in Oregon. And then to also feel shame for your level of productivity is disgusting. And we do put productivity on a pedestal and we do prioritize it. And it's like, now is not the time because right now, like my mental health has to be the most important thing to me. Absolutely. And mental health will come above in my case. And I think what you're saying in your case will come above sexuality Mm -hmm. necessarily like within my relationship. Mm -hmm. It'll come before like me sexualizing myself and putting myself first. And so that's always, you know, it's trying to find that balance. And I think we found the most beautiful soul to talk to about creating that balance. Yes, we did. Today on Honey Do Me, we have Dr. Nazanin Mowali. She is a true gem. She is a clinical psychologist and (laughs) angel baby and sex therapist (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, who just gave us all the advice that we have been looking for and didn't even know we needed. So we cannot wait for you to hear all of the amazing things she has to share with us. Mm -hmm. And we will just catch you on the other side. Well, hello, Dr. Moali. We are so excited to have you here today. How are you? Good. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me. How are you guys doing? We're okay. I mean, organs burning down around us, but we're okay. (laughs) Yeah, we're in not the thick of it, but we've had family and friends. So yeah, it's been a harder week. Yeah. But we're here and we're really excited to be here. Yeah. So it's a good distraction. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> well, we'd love to start out by having you just tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do, and then we'll dive a little deeper. Excellent. Uh, so I'm a clinical psychologist and a SAC certified sex therapist. So I have a private practice in LA where I help individuals and couples who are struggling with range of different sexual challenges. And also I have a podcast on psychology of sex that I've been airing for a few years now. Wonderful. And how did you get into the sexual wellness space? Well, you know, I always wanted to do this. I I feel like I've been doing sex ed ever since I was five. Mm -hmm. (laughs) My uncle was a gynecologist and I read one book about it. And I feel I was like educating the entire kindergarten (laughs) (laughs) about it. But I always felt passionate about empowering people to reach the sex life that they want. And um, and I, I the more I've been doing this work, I feel that this is such a needed area of work and I've been kind of falling more in love with it every day. That's beautiful. That's so cool that it's kind of been in your family for a while, this type of work. That's fun. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. My uncle's wife, she's also was a nurse practitioner specializing in women's health. And I remember ever since they're like older, like now they're in mid eighties. And uh, she was always talking about the importance of sex and how uh, important it is for people to pay attention to their sexual health. So she was always been a role model for me. 
I love that. You guys have always been doing the good work. Yeah. That's so cool <laughs> to you. have in your family and to like really be brought up with that kind of sex positive lens. And then to know that there are practitioners out there who <laughs> really are focusing on sex and making sure that sex is being talked about is mm -hmm. so important. Exactly. So very good to hear. Well, do we just want to dive right Let's into just dive it? Dive right in. Okay. We would love to know what it means. So we saw in your work that you talk about having deep and passionate connections with your partner. So we would love to know what that even means to have a deep and passionate connection. Well, I feel in order for people to have a deep and passionate relationship with the partner, they got to have a kind of a good enough relationship with themselves. So uh, it means that uh, it's it's not like two people who are not they're incomplete coming, uh, coming together. It's a matter of kind of people who are worked on themselves and know they know what they want, kind of meeting uh, at a place of kind of connection and passion. And sex can mean different things for different people. When I meet with people, I say, like, okay, what's the meaning of sex in your relationship? For some people, it's a connection. For some people, it's, uh, passion. it's about passion. For some people, it's about uh, release. So it's, it's a matter of kind of fulfilling that dream that you have. Like, if, if this is something that you want uh, the sex to represent in your relationship, uh, then meaning that, like, being able to reach there. Well, that makes sense. I like that you brought up talking about really working on yourself too, because that is such an important step in even understanding how your relationship is going to work and what you need out of your relationship. So how do you define, you know, passion if you can't even really define what you want from your partner? And I'm glad that resonated with you because what I see is sometimes people have a horrible relationship with themselves, with their bodies. They have a, a trauma history that they haven't addressed and they feel like, okay, this relationship, this uh, connection I have with my partner going to uh, solve that problem. He or she needs to be the person that will cure this. And they, they are setting themselves for a disappointment. So that's why it's important kind of to focus on ourselves and kind of, okay, I'm doing, do I, am I uh, focusing on myself and how can I uh, kind of get what I need in the relationship? I've definitely experienced that, like going through something really difficult, being pretty like broken down and traumatized and then getting into a relationship and feeling like, oh, this is better. Like I'm fine now, this fixed everything. But then when I lost that relationship, it was like, Oh, I was never okay. Like yeah. this, I was never better. I never like, it feels like twice the loss because yeah. you lost, you know, yourself and then you lost your relationship. Mm -hmm. It's like, I really used that relationship to build myself back up instead of building myself up and being in a relationship. I was like two birds, one stone, easy, done. And it doesn't work that way. So. Well, I'm glad that you noticed that. And I, the other part of it is that that, early passionate uh, sexual experiences that people feel early in the relationship can be just a distraction. And then the relationship fades and sex become more routine. And then all of those challenges come up. So um, I agree with you that sometimes that always think, oh, this is wonderful. Like all of those problems are behind us. Exactly. But then kind of like either the relationship, like you enter a longer stage of relationship or the relationship ends. And now all those challenges resurface. Those are all the things that I think we definitely really want to get into. So you kind of touched on, or we did talk about having a relationship with yourself can get in the way of having that passionate relationship. What other or not having a relationship not, with yourself, not having a relationship <laughs> with yourself. What other factors can get in the way of having a passionate relationship with your partner? Well, uh, one part of it is kind of issues in the relationship. What I see that many people didn't learn that they still can have uh, kind of conflict with the partner and they still can be in a loving relationship. So they notice things that's not working out, but they're kind of like pushing it away because they don't want to confront the issue. Mm -hmm. And all of those resentment and partly stays in their body. So of course, like if you have the long history of resentment with your partner, that can get in the way of you being able to show up truly in the bedroom. Also with that is, um, unfortunately, betrayal is, is a common challenge that many people have. So if, if your relationship kind of like experienced that, whether you cheated on the partner or your partner cheated on it and, and you and then you guys haven't discussed it and worked through it, uh, then those kind of frustration remains uh, 
remains in your head and mind and body. And that can create um, tension and issues around sexual function. And many of my clients are telling me that although they even went to therapy for addressing the uh, kind of betrayal, uh, when they start sexual experiences uh, with their partner, those memories of them being uh, kind of cheating on the person comes up that did you do this with them? Did you do that with them? And that kind of gets in the way of uh, the person ex- truly uh, uh, kind of experienced uh, uh, kind of embodiment that requires as part of healthy uh, sexual experiences. So those are the, some of the things that comes to my mind. And also kind of having a partner that you feel it's not in tune to your need. They, you feel they don't have your back. So you like them, you're attracted to them, but you feel like in, in the moments that you needed them, you felt that they didn't have your back. And that impacts your connection at times if it's not addressed. Of course, people are different and uh, our experiences are different. But if you feel that not secure in the relationship, sometimes that impacts your uh, experience of uh, passion in the bedroom. Do you also work with couples or do you work individually with your clients? Great question. So I do couples and individuals, but the couples I see are the ones that are specifically coming for sex therapy. Okay. Would you suggest that if you're a couple is having the issues or difficulties that you just explained, is it more beneficial to attend couples therapy rather than attending therapy individually? Um, well, it depends. Go ahead. That was something that I've been curious in personally. And so I've been weighing out the benefits of like thinking that this is kind of a, a me thing that maybe I need to go on a journey and find a counselor and someone I can talk to, or if this is an us thing and these issues are better addressed as a couple. Well, I think you're very thoughtful <laughs> that you're thinking about what would be the benefit of each is pursuing mm-hmm. each. Many of my clients, they are in the individual therapy and they are doing couples. What I usually see that. So if people are feeling that, I, I have lots of raw emotion and I cannot sit with my partner 50 minutes processing this, mm-hmm. then like individual therapy will be fantastic for that early crisis management periods. Because again, it's, it's just that sometimes even uh, this betrayal can bring up this question of whether I want to stay with this person or not. And kind of having, being in the room with them might not, uh, might get in the way of you really exploring it. So mm-hmm. if, if kind of after doing individual therapy, People decide that okay, this is this is I want to give the relationship a shot, and then kind of doing uh, couples work with the with the partner could be a useful kind of path as well. But I've seen all formats of it, and it just depends on what would work the best for that specific person. I'm wondering, so when people are experiencing issues within their relationship, so whether, you know, they're just arguing a lot, not that I would know anything about that, (laughs) Uh, or if there is betrayal or just something is really, it's not maybe even something directly related to sex, but you know, it's impacting your sex life. What would you say is like the first step in working through that? Like, do you need to work through those relationship issues before you should even be like thinking about sex or should you try like easing back into sex? Should you just go right into like couples therapy? Like what would really be the first step for those people? Well, it's my experience, that especially with my female clients, and it might be stereotypical, but that's that's been my experience, my practice, that when they feel very disconnected with their partner, then that impacts their quality of sex. Mm-hmm. But I've seen clients that they sex and kind of relationships, two different things in the midst of argument, they're, they're able to have passionate sex. So it's just a matter of kind of inviting people to see what what type of a person I am. Does it impact my sex or it's uh, or it is uh, kind of something that uh, uh, kind of like impacting all aspects of my relationship? So I think it's, it's important to kind of have a check in with yourself and knowing that it's completely okay to be a different person. Like in relationship, two different people are coming together. And I get worried when people don't have arguments and discussions around things, because that would show that like you're not bringing your personhood 
mm-hmm. in the relationship. And is and I would be curious: is the power dynamic? What's going on that gets in the way of you voicing your opinion? So if it's an argument and you feel it's impacting your sex life, or regardless, I think it would be important to uh, bring it up and have a discussion with your partner about it in a way that will help you guys to arrive to a conclusion. Because what we don't want is like us not saying anything and then blurting out something inappropriate and inappropriate mm-hmm. times. So they had people like a during foreplay, they say something that kind of like <laughs> kills the mood. So mm-hmm. it's if you're addressing it in a uh, in a time that you're not kind of like uh, doing sexual play and outside the bedroom, then you, you are kind of addressing this issue ahead of time. Mother's Day is around the corner, and whether you're celebrating your mama, grandma, guardian, or yourself, celebrate with the mother of all self-care routines by trying out Osea's Mega Moisture Duo. This duo delivers a one-two punch in luxurious body care moisturizers with their Anduria Algae Body Oil and Anduria Collagen Body Lotion, both featuring Osea's signature all-natural citrusy scent. I use both the body lotion and the Anduria Algae Body Oil once I get out of the shower, and I use it literally everywhere. This duo is my go-to for feeling glowy and hydrated for literal days, and the Osea Signature Scent is one of my faves because it's not overwhelming, um, but it's like a delicious and fresh smell that just lasts. Since 1996, Osea has been making seaweed-infused skincare that is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat mom to the everyday spa experience she deserves with clean, vegan skin and body care from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code DOOMY at oseamalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to O-S-E-A malibu.com and use code d-e-w-m-e for 10 percent off and you touched on it about saying that sometimes it's harder with your female clients to have you know sex when they feel disconnected and sometimes for other clients it's like no they can have sex in the middle of an argument how come that can be different for people how come it can be so different? Like I'm someone that definitely needs to be connected emotionally and romantically to be turned on and to be in the mood. But then my partner sometimes could definitely be like, no, let's just like, I'm just trying to have sex with you. <laughs> like, I don't want to romance you from the beginning of the day. Not like I required that much, but, <laughs> but, <laughs> but how come we can be so different? And is that healthy? Well, of course, it's okay to be a friend. I think like we all coming in in the relationship with different desires and different erotic blueprints and what we want. Uh, so, uh, what how to navigate that is similar to how you navigate other issues and kind of like a difference as in the relationship is uh, like if you like different types of food like my husband and I we, we are definitely like different kinds of movies and the conclusion we arrived is we're taking turns yeah. and everyone <laughs> gets their own turn so it's a matter of kind of like being very clear about kind of expressing what you want and also openness to hearing okay what does my partner want as well and kind of coming and negotiating something that would work for both of you, you mentioned that where is that coming from is that uh, there is this concept that's called erotic blueprint. So our erotic blueprint is like all the emotion and memories, experiences that turns us on. It's like a fingerprint. Every person is different. There are not that many people that are identical to each other. Uh, So it's important to get to know yourself. What is the emotion that they need to have to be in a kind of a state of arousal? For some people is uh, romance, it could be uh, excitement, thrill. For some people, is shame. There could be a number of different things. So, what do you what do you need to have? And kind of talking about it with your partner in a kind of a matter of fact way, and kind of like coming up with a plan ahead of time. That sounds like a lot better approach than what I've been trying. So. <laughs> I'm that person that what you said, blurting out at the wrong times, <laughs> not necessarily appropriate friends <laughs> during foreplay. Yeah. No, but that if you're going in it with a plan and you kind of talk about a balance and a compromise, that sounds a lot better than, you know, trying randomly and being like, well, I didn't get what I needed. You didn't get what you needed. Mm-hmm. And now that was not great for either one of us. So talking more matter of factly about sex and erotic blueprint I think just needs to be more of a conversation in relationships too. Definitely. 
And it makes me think about like, I know if I like personally, if I'm having an issue in my relationship and then, you know, we don't really talk about it, we kind of ignore it. And then we try and have sex and it's just not great. Then it like that sticks in our head, like the next time. And it's just this like really shitty, like downward spiral of like, well, I don't want to, cause it sucked last time. And right. Yeah. So that's, that's another hurdle that I've experienced too, where you, you know, the sex maybe wasn't great because of other circumstances, but your head gets stuck on the fact between your, you and your partner that like sex wasn't great. So now it's kind of more, it's like you're building this like mountain out of a molehill and how to take steps to move past that when it's really about maybe something emotional or something in your relationship, but you've made it now about sex when maybe that's not even where it began. Absolutely. That's why I tell people when they're coming for sex therapy and had like tons of bad experiences, the first homework is like a stop having sex because you don't want it to be that kind of same vicious cycle because exactly what you describe with, okay, maybe perhaps you were not able to experience orgasm because you're worried or you, your partner, if you are kind of having sex with a, someone who has penis that they, uh, he didn't get an erection and kind of get into this mindset of what is, what does it say about our relationship is, is, uh, he is interested in and all of those stories can kind of like remain with us and that gets in the way of our future kind of ha- future times having a kind of great sexual connection I've never heard don't have sex and I think that's actually great advice because I've gone to my doctor and we've talked about just like how stress can impact you know sex in your relationship and it was right after I moved to Portland so of course things were kind of all up in the air but she's like you know sometimes you just have to like keep going through it even if you don't want to like just keep having sex even if you don't want to like and then you just kind of get used to it and it won't be such a big deal but I was like but I don't that doesn't you don't want to get used to, to it sucking yeah <laughs> like, I'm just gonna get used to shitty sex no, no. so feel like I was like, well, that definitely won't work for me. But now this healthcare professional is telling me that that, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. Is that, am I crazy? Because, but I really like your advice of stop having it because you're reinforcing something negative. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry you had that experience. That sounds frustrating, (laughs) but that was my experience too. So Mm -hmm. when I was in graduate program for a while, like out of nowhere, then I started having painful sex and I went to to my uh, physician and her recommendation was just have a couple glasses of wine. (laughs) You'll be okay. I was like, that's definitely not a treatment for (laughs) painful intercourse. Mm -hmm. So that's unfortunately like uh, you hear those kind of things for people who are not trained in the field of uh, sexology. Uh, sexuality mm-hmm. I don't like that that's just have wine definitely not a solution to the root problem yeah that's the definition of a band-aid yeah. wine and just keep pushing through exactly <laughs> no thank you so we would love to explore erectile dysfunction a little bit more because I feel like it's talked about to a certain extent I mean I feel like there's like quite a bit of research on it more so than in like female health but Really what we want to talk about though is like how common is it among 20 somethings? Like in that population of people, that's where I really feel like it's not talked about and if it's talked about, it's in a really shaming like making fun of people way. And so, I would love to just discuss that a little bit. Excellent. And I'm glad you're talking about younger population because so yes, when we get older, sometimes our body changes doesn't mean like you're not going to be able to have an erection, but when you're younger also People at times, they are not getting an erection for a number of different reasons. First of all, I tell my clients that like if after, like when you're masturbating or when you're partner, uh, every 10 times, like around six or seven times, you're feeling you're doing it with like you get an erection, then uh, that's that you don't, there's nothing wrong with you because mm-hmm. uh, clinically, then everyone struggle at time. Uh, it could be related to number of different things. Again, part of it could be kind of like a performance anxiety struggle that okay i'm i'm either really really into this situation uh but i cannot like you, you need to be in this optimal phase of excitement to be able to get an erection and the window is kind of small if it is like you're more excited or less excited then you you might not be able to get an erection and there's nothing wrong with that um because as as, as many of your listeners probably can relate to uh, with my with your female clients at least like a female listeners uh many people experience orgasm with clitoral stimulation 
So whether the partner has a erection or not, they, most people are able to have fantastic sexual experiences. So I don't want uh, kind of like the the uh, the listener think about if the erection doesn't show up, then we cannot have quote unquote sex. Mm-hmm. So that's that's part of it. So number of reasons that lead into uh, people kind of having erectile functioning issue is part of it could be substance use. We know that sometimes when people are super drunk, they cannot get an erection. Uh, that's just not that's how our body function. The other part is whenever you're very stressed out, when you have lots of cortisol in your blood, you will not get an erection. And it's not a matter of like, okay, I'm going to pop a pill or Viagra. Mm-hmm. Uh, because when when you, the issue is the cortisol level, even when you get an erection, uh, when, when you uh, take the pill, you will not get an erection. So these are a few things that people, it's important to, to keep in mind. And uh, kind of thinking about that, even I think most important message that I have is, even if you feel like, okay, you're not getting an erection, uh, I don't want you to feel that you will not be able to have tons of fun and wonderful sex. My invitation for people is kind of to increase their repertoire of what they label as sex. Mm-hmm. Uh, sex can be doing number of different activities. And my invitation for people is actually try different things because what I hear in my practice is my clients telling me that like, we've been having the same type, kind of a leftover sex for years and years, and we, we don't know what to do. So if you have other things that you're doing, then that's exciting. Uh, that can help what erection doesn't show up or if you want to have different kind of experiences. And what would you suggest would be the best way for the partner to help? Like, what can you say? You know what I mean? Because I think people have a tendency to internalize that. And instead of being like, oh, I'm just stressed. I have a lot going on. They're like, there's something wrong with me. And I just can't perform sexually. And it's like, no, like it's it's something outside the bedroom. Well, few things. So I, I, it depends on kind of a person they are, because if they have a healthy sense of self, then it wouldn't impact, it would be a bummer, but it wouldn't impact them and kind of like drag toward the rest of the day. Um, I think the best thing that can partner can do is kind of like, uh, kind of like treat it as a kind of matter of fact that honey, how can it help us to get back in track? Or do you want us to try another time? And kind of like not necessarily uh, kind of like um, showing uh, kind of external disappointment or kind of like trying to be super uh, helpful when they are not in it, into it anymore. <laughs> because I feel like people are feeling the kind of pressure of, okay, we have to bring it back. It's, it is a disappointment. And I think the other piece of it also, uh, my invitation for the partner is kind of thinking about what would you need in that moment? That wouldn't require uh, an erection. So if your partner is into it, if you need oral sex, it's going to be manual stimulation, bringing toy. Uh, it's my experience that sometimes the partner feel, like, feels more okay if, mm-hmm. if they feel that their partner have a, had a good time. So I think if it's in kind of a pause and kind of a kind of like a rupture, they might experience as a rupture. So something to keep in mind, but it's more a kind of on the person to uh, address it. What I want you to, for the partners to keep in mind that I don't want them to uh, feel it's about them. Most of the time, it's not. It could be physiological, psychological, if they feel stressed out, anxious, number of different things. Uh, and kind of like trusting your partner that, okay, if, if you want to kind of like check in the partner later on, kind of when you're not in the bedroom about the relationship, about how things are going, you can do that. But in that moment, know that it's more likely it's not you it's the context for the other person. So these are a few things come to my few things that come to my mind. As you, you ask about potential solutions, and I talk about it all the time with people. First of all, something that I highly, highly recommend everyone to do is doing breathing, mindfulness, meditation. There were studies that was done that as, as even if you do it as, uh, as much as 10 minutes per day, it can really impact your sexual function, both for men and women. Because what happens is you, you learn to, in tune, to get in tune with your body and that's really helped you during sexual experiences to be in the rhythm of things. So that's one thing. The other thing is specifically for a male client, I often invite them to, do kind of physical activities that helps them to feel they're in the kind of like a rhythm 
because mindfulness is not for everyone, but I have clients that they find joy in boxing, or it could be uh, kind of doing other form of cardio. So they feel, okay, it helps me doing this, helps me to be in the state of flow. Lifestyle challenges, if uh, changes can be good if if the lifestyle leads to the long-term issues with uh, with kind of erectile functioning. Sometimes if if we don't have a healthy eating behaviors, uh, then that impacts our erectile functioning. So it's important to keep that in mind as well. Those are all really good suggestions too. And I think especially during this COVID time of like changing up your routine and making sure that you're doing things that make you happy or get your blood moving and you're getting exercise especially could really help you recharge a little bit. Yeah. But speaking of COVID, so have you noticed anything different with your clients kind of sexual, not wait, (laughs) (laughs) sexually with your clients, but um, issues coming up during COVID regarding sex and their relationship? Yes, for sure. I would, there was a study that was on actually in the Kinsey Institute that they found that many people uh, uh, lost the ability to experience orgasm during this time. So if you lost orgasm or you, you experience orgasm in less frequent uh, uh, times, you're not alone. So that that is something that it's uh, it's been a trend, like more on a kind of a globally, uh, because sometimes when we are in this kind of hyper aroused uh, state of, okay, like anxiousness and stress, then it would be hard to climax. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I noticed with my clients is that also the conflict, it's kind of like uh, increased and that impacts people's uh, kind of sexual experiences. I wouldn't know you- anything about <laughs> having more conflict being around your partner 24 24- fucking seven. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's a lot and you're not alone. I feel like a client, they feel like, okay, I cannot take one more minute of my partner (laughs) Uh, because we used to our partner going to their work and us doing our thing and kind of uh, reconnecting a few hours at night. And it doesn't mean like that was unhealthy. And if it's hard, if you're missing that independence of time alone, uh, that's absolutely normal. And my invitation for people is kind of like at like cre- at times create that separateness. Mm-hmm. The fact that you are in one space doesn't mean that you have to be together all the time. Even if it means like, honey, I work in this room, you work on that room. That's something that can be helpful. So that's one thing that I've noticed. Uh, the other piece is uh, it's the, this kind of experience that we have highlights the importance of connection. So sometimes, like, you know, people think about, okay, the goal of sex is to climax. That's all I want. But right now that we're not able to physically connect with other people and we're kind of isolated because we're with our partner, uh, as many people find the connection in, in sexual experiences that they have. So even if you're not um, experiencing orgasm, it still can be beneficial if you connect with your partner when you do sexual play. That makes a lot of sense to me that those things would be occurring right now. (laughs) How do you keep it spontaneous? Because there's nothing to make the mood different. It feels like because you're just sitting in your room or you're sitting in your living room. So it's not like a, Oh, we went out to dinner and now we could try this. It's like, so how do we keep it fun? We have fun and funky. How do we keep it fun and funky? (laughs) Oh, I like that. You're speaking my language. (laughs) I hate boredom. (laughs) Well, I think uh, it's just a matter of kind of uh, adopting new eyes for things. Uh, What I've been talking to my clients that right now that we are, we're not able to do things outside the house, then uh, my invitation is that maybe then you can bring excitement to home and kind of like uh, doing things, planning things ahead of time to kind of have a kind of this exciting uh, novel experience. Uh, Because I think, uh, like, I don't want people to have lots of boring, spontaneous, non-fulfilling sex. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think it would be helpful if you kind of like setting a date that, okay, maybe Friday night is our uh, sexy playtime. 
and kind of like thinking ahead of time, what are we doing for sexy playtime? Some people get like some sex games that they're playing together. Sometimes people play with kind of like when they want to uh, kind of like f- make food and then kind of like create this aphrodisiac food and kind of enjoying it together. That could be one thing. They could be thinking about, okay, talking about what, what other things that a few of my clients they're doing is they're doing naked happy hour. So you're Ooh. getting naked and we're kind of talking about sexy, fun things, like maybe things that you want to explore with the partner when, when we are out of this situation. So just a matter of kind of like uh, dedicating some time for it and kind of like re- start thinking about how can I bring novelty? The other, the other really fun thing to do is like talking to your partner about what objects around this house you can use for sex. And that can be a really uh, good way of start kind of adopting new eyes for a household object mm-hmm. <laughs> that we're taking for granted. What if their object is super weird though? <laughs> you're like, not that one. No, you're weird. <laughs> and now we don't match. <laughs> and that would be fun. You can talk with your partner and you're guys laughing and you're in a good mood. <laughs> so either way, it's going to work. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to do something good. Well, we've talked about how stress can affect sex. I'm wondering, does sex have any effect on stress? Like, can sex and orgasm, like, help to alleviate stress? Like, what's that other direction connection? Well, there are tons of tons of good chemicals that get released in your body. So if you're able to experience orgasm, like voila, you feel immediately better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think that's definitely a plus. Um, and for many people, even masturbation can have that benefit mm-hmm. that, okay, it's a, a way that I can release tension. I can get distracted, kind of like not necessarily think about COVID and all of those things. So that, <laughs> that could be part of it. But also it depends on what kind of sex you're having. If you are, I remember that when when I had that painful experiences, I was thinking, oh God, not another night of mm-hmm. <laughs> disappointment. <laughs> so that can be on its own being stressful. So it's just a matter of what kind of sex you're having and kind of really thinking about what do I want ha- to have more of? Kind of what is the in the menu of in this chapter of my life? So maybe in uh, this chapter of COVID, I want to have adventure at home. So whatever it is, I'm kind of like planning it accordingly. That would definitely take the stress off for like, this is going to be what I want tonight. Like how you were talking about trading off. So like tonight will be my night and it's going to be really fun. And that'll also take all the stress off. I don't know. That Just could work. Write it on the calendar. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's that's a wonderful way that you're thinking about, okay, taking turn. One thing that some of my clients, they do is like they create this list together of kind of uh, exciting things that they're into each. And they're kind of thinking about, okay, like, honey, look at the list. What is like rank them from zero to 10. So five is neutral. But then uh, above five is exciting. And below five is not something I'm interested in. And then they take turn knowing that menu. I, of course, you don't want to do something that's a one or two to your partner, <laughs> but kind of thinking about, okay, if it's, I really want it and like, it's, it's my night, maybe I'll try something from five or six. Then you're part knowing that your partner can, can do the same. So I think it's a great idea to have those conversations ahead of time. I like that number list. That's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. I think the hard part in relationships sometimes, especially with younger people is that it's not talked about enough of the logistics of sex, even though it can kind of not be sexy, but talking literally about what you like, what you don't like, and how to make that other person happy in that moment. And maybe it can not sound as sexy when you're thinking about needing to sit down and like plan out your sex. But I think it's really helpful and beneficial because sometimes I'll learn from my partner something that he like really didn't like. I'm like, oh my God, I did that every time though. (laughs) Like, that's so awful. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm so sorry I did that to you. Right. But talking about, especially in younger people, um, I think would be really important in making that normal conversation. And you can make it fun and sexy, mm-hmm. right? Doing it naked, how about the happy hour? Yeah, like naked, naked happy hour. You can say, you know, honey, when you did this, oh my god, that that drove me wild. But like, I, I would always start from something that's like positive. So you're mm-hmm. building your partner's uh, self esteem and kind of make them feel okay about it. And I'm kind of saying that, you know, I didn't necessarily find that that particular thing that useful, or it wasn't necessarily the most pleasurable thing for me. So you're talking about it, but also whenever you're bringing kind of like what's not working 
think it's really important to also kind of like highlighting what's working. So you're giving your partner this uh, kind of boundaries of what you want more of and what wouldn't work. Of course, it's like during sex, if something feels horrible, you definitely want to address it with your partner saying, okay, stop it. Yeah. <laughs> because we don't want to kind of be in pain or because we're not saying something or either psychological or physical pain. But I think if it's something that you want less of or not at all, then that would be something important to talk about. Right. And then let's jump into libido and sex drive. So what is it? Basically, what is your sex drive? What is your libido? Well, a sex drive is like how much you're like in a simple term, like how much you want sex. And it's different than arousal in a way that like you're like, sometimes you can, your body can be aroused, but your mind, you're not into it. So you don't, you might not want to have sex and desire, um, desire kind of challenges can come up for a number of reasons. Um, so uh, it, it would be important to kind of think about if, if you notice the change in your desire, uh, what's happening. So when, uh, when people coming in with their partner, I'm thinking about, okay, uh, like my partner doesn't have low desire. I, I say like low compared to who because like sometimes you know that like that low desire person can be in a relationship with someone else and there there's there's just nothing wrong with their desire uh so it's just important to think about okay who who are you comparing it to and i think if that's something that you are uh kind of assessing based on yourself that okay i used to have a higher desire and now i'm not into it i'm not i don't have uh i don't want to have sex i don't sexual fantasies i don't have sexual fantasies i'm not into it then there could be number of different things that's happening one is that possibly then there could be uh, some kind of emotional psychological underlying factors that could kind of be in play uh, sometimes it could be something related to the context that specific context that's going on um, so especially in context is really important for my uh, female clients and how do we define context it's like we all have our turn-ons and we have turn-offs uh, turn what happens is when it comes to sex People are focusing on, okay, do I have enough turn-ons? So turn-ons are like a gas pedal. Do I have enough gas? Uh, like I'm pressing on gas enough. Mm -hmm. And gas pedals could be candles, lingerie, those kind of things that most people are doing. Uh, but the other piece of it is um, kind of like if, if you are, you're, but the, the, there, you, there are lots of turn-offs in your environment. So if you're pressing on the brick, so it's important to kind of address, okay, what's going on in this context that gets gets uh, in the way of me experiencing desire. Sometimes it could be simple things in, in the kind of environment. Maybe you're overwhelmed, you're tired, you haven't, you were not able to sleep, uh, or uh, it could be uh, there are tons of turnoffs in uh, in your life that contributes to how you're feeling that particular moment. And it doesn't need to be this. Uh, kind of a huge turnoff. Sometimes uh, many of my clients, they're young moms and they worried about what if my kid is walking in or what if people are hearing me outside the door? It could be a number of different things. It's just like, okay, tackling those turnoffs that can help you feel more ready and kind of be in the good, better uh, space so you will be able to have sex. And sometimes it could be psychological, sometimes it could be uh, physiological. So changes in hormone also can impact your libido. So there are so many different things that can be in play. So were you saying that libido and desire were different in the beginning? What I feel like libido and desire to, to me, it seemed like it's the same thing. It's mm -hmm. a kind of a wanting to have sex. It's my experience. And then arousal is like your uh, kind of physiological and psychological readiness, like the body that's showing that I'm ready to have sex. Okay. And why can those be disconnected sometimes? Like, cause sometimes I could be like, yeah, I, I could have sex, but then I know that my body won't I'm just like not going to be aroused. Like it's just not going to happen. Like same thing with kind of masturbating. Maybe sometimes I'm like, oh, that sounds like a really fun idea, but I have, I don't want to, <laughs> you know? So how come those can be kind of disconnected? Well, a few things that, that can lead to that. First of all, I feel like when a partner sex, uh, sometimes uh, people are not taking enough time to do foreplay. So we're not uh, have creating space for our body to to get ready. I, I tell people that we have this rule in sex therapy that minimum twenty minutes twenty minutes of foreplay, 
and like foreplay than oral sex <laughs> <laughs> is not a foreplay. It's part of the play. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it could be like kissing, teasing, caressing, whatever you do, you're doing as part of foreplay. Because sometimes people feel, okay, I need to be, my body need to be aroused. I might, I need to get lubricated and all of that. And we have like five minutes. And knowing that that's not going to happen in the five minutes. So that could be a part of it. The other kind of dark side of it is with uh, sexual trauma. Uh, what happens is people might get lubricated, they get an erection, or their body respond as a way to protect you. That like you wouldn't have tearing, you wouldn't, uh, you would be able to get through the experience. But it doesn't mean that the fact that you have arousal means that you you have the desire. Mm-hmm. for for having sex so it could be both ways but it's uh it's my experience that sometimes uh, in the partner relationship is uh, we're not taking enough time to uh kind of like do foreplay the other kind of challenge could be again it could be physiological kind of feeling okay things uh, i have health concern like things are, i'm not in a good place with my body and therefore it might take, take my body uh kind of longer time or i might not be my body might not be ready for for sex right now the other thing is like sometimes i kind of like i feel people are underutilizing lubricant I feel like you got to use lots of lube mm-hmm. <laughs> regardless. Yeah. Uh, that's my uh, kind of a, a fixed solution. Of course, if if you don't, you feel like it's going to be painful or uncomfortable, definitely don't do it. But there's nothing wrong with adding some lube to make things go smoother. Mm-hmm. Right. That's a big topic for us that we've noticed recently is talking about the usage of lube and kind of the stigmas behind using it and just mm-hmm. the benefits that you know, one of us have, one or both of us have felt using it and that just needs mm-hmm. to be talked about more and mm-hmm. not as a, a shameful thing that needing it. Cause I, I remember talking about sex and talking about lube and it was, um, you know, not wrong, but it was like, Oh, so you need it during sex. Mm-hmm. Like that's, it was oh, a bad God. thing. So that needs to be talked about more. Cause that sounds sexy and fun and, <laughs> and healthy right. for, to prevent, you know, vaginal tears in mm-hmm. making sex painful. Which is something Absolutely. I learned from our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and also, you can it can be part of your foreplay. Mm-hmm. Uh, what uh, what I've been incorporating is like you know there's different CBD oils that you can use for massage, and then you can use it as a loop. So there are a number of things that you can do to kind of make it sexy. And I have clients that they they experiment with using different loops as a sensation play so i my recommendation for people is like please don't hold back mm-hmm. <laughs> using lube because with lube you can do tons of uh exciting things you can have intercourse longer you can have different can do different positions so it can add only add benefit to your uh, sexual life mm-hmm. so uh, definitely please use lots of you <laughs> make it a slip and slide <laughs> gross but good <laughs> i like that <laughs> Just a little visual for everyone. <laughs> Just so everybody really understands yeah. what we're saying. What we're saying. A lot. Because you didn't get it before. Yeah. <laughs> so the visual was necessary. So let's talk about confidence in sex and how that can play into having good or not so good sex. Because I think obviously it has multiple levels. But if even if you're not confident, like your physical physique, especially during COVID, not getting to the gym and kind of not feeling sexy. So how can things like confidence really impact your sex life? Well, you're speaking my language. I did my postdoc training on treatments of eating disorders. And I know you don't necessarily talking about eating disorders, but it's a different range of uh, kind of challenges people have with their body dissatisfaction. Well, I think what what's really important to know is that sex is about how how you feel versus how you look. Because many, many people get stuck in this place of kind of performance that, oh God, this uh, porn star had this kind of like a body and then within two minutes on a penetration, she starts roaring and squirting. <laughs> and that's not where most people are. Nothing is wrong with porn necessarily, but that's just like a, a kind of show versus mm-hmm. like how it feels. So I, I first invitation I have for uh, your listeners is that to make sure that you're identifying this script that what what are some of the stories that gets in the way of you feeling good about your bodies because people's bodies are different and uh, there's nothing wrong with having one type of body or not uh, I would I would kind of assess if it's about specific body part or it's about like overall physique because I have clients that for years they feel shame because their labia was different how and then how it was portrayed and 
porn and uh and it breaks my heart because i feel like okay they only show specific uh type of vulva and if your vulva is different there's nothing wrong with it i never heard a male client saying that her the my female partner vulva was disgusting <laughs> or even in a lesbian uh, relationship same-sex relationships which I, I feel like they are better with kind of like com- communication and kind of mm-hmm. figuring things out so it's important to kind of think about what are some of this kind of dissatisfaction I'm, I'm having is coming from are these kind of a learned messages or it's coming from inside? And then I think it's important to think about, okay, if this is uh, something that maybe during COVID, I feel like I, was, I wasn't moving. What can I do to make my body feel better? Maybe I can add yoga that it kind of like creates more excitement and joy in my body, but also feeling that I'm doing something for my body. But I think more than addressing anything, first step is that kind of like, trying to focus on uh, kind of gratitude first. And, and I know it can be really tough, but my invitation for people is that to think about, okay, kind of identifying every morning, what is it that your body is doing for you? What, what are you grateful when it comes to, um, comes to your body? Kind of thinking about, okay, uh, perhaps like my body, uh, I love that my body has, uh, is orgasmic. I, I'm able to experience orgasm. Things that are meaningful for you and kind of like starting from there and kind of like, again, if, if there are things that you want to change, you can always take action based on that. But knowing that these stories are kind of like most of the time that are that are not accurate these are just thoughts so also practicing mindfulness meditation can be useful uh, something else that i recommend my clients is kind of being very mindful of your visual diet we all are on social media all the time these days and we see all this like kind of ridiculous kinds of bodies and people are doing all this kind of uh, uh, fancy poses and we feel okay my body is broken what i tell them with visual diet is like go through the accounts you're following and if there is an account that is not empowering you if you feel like it makes me feel insecure my, about my body unfollow that account or yeah. if it's Facebook, kind of like, a, like a, you know, kind of hide the story so you wouldn't see it in the future. Because like if if you let the society decide, they, they will make you feel horrible about your body because that's the key that you, you got to feel bad and then therefore you'll buy stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think you need that's to be problem. mindful of that. Exactly. Are there any other things that you've noticed impact confidence in like 20-somethings that you work with? Absolutely. I think first, first kind of knowing that like you have good sex education. Mm-hmm. I think it comes when it comes to sex that you, you know what really matters in sex, because sometimes people, how they learn about sex is through media. And they, they feel like, okay, if I'm not doing this particular thing in this particular order, that I'm broken. So making sure you have good enough sex education, like things like your podcast, kind of listening to the things that help people to gather that information, that could be part of it. But also kind of like having, as you, as you were talking about earlier, this open communication with your partner, kind of like doing, doing maybe this monthly check-in about what do you want more of? What is it that you it's not working for you? So you kind of having this check-in in reality with your partner because sometimes when we are in our head it can be a lonely place and we're telling our stories that they're not accurate and also kind of like really taking time to focus on uh what brings you pleasure I think that's that's really important that okay what is it that makes my body feel good because what happens is sometimes people are we are abusive or the worst enemy of our body you say horrible things about it mm-hmm. and during sex we want it to be function well so of course, if you haven't had a good relationship uh, with your body, then like their sexual wellness also gets impacted. So these are the few things that comes to my mind. Do you have any final? I think that's about questions? it. I feel like we got such amazing we got information. Such a great, yeah. Now it is time. Homework for honeys. where we talk about one actionable step that we can all take to start incorporating what you talked about today. So Dr. Mawali, would you do us the honor of assigning homework today? Well, I love homework. (laughs) Very nerdy (laughs) of me, but I love homework and I assign a lot of homework. Uh, But I think one thing that can be specifically useful is to uh, kind of like help people to energize their uh, erotic world so what i mean that like one of the sex therapists that i love she talks about every person need to have a secret garden 
what I know that many times, especially again, my female clients coming in and say, okay, what, what are you into? And they feel like, you know, I, I really don't know uh, because they, they were kind of socialized back in the day that, okay, it's not okay for women to think about sex or kind of like a, a, the girl, the good girls are not thinking about sex. So what I want people to do is kind of take time to uh, cultivate the erotic garden. So maybe like every week that kind of thinking about uh, this week, every, every week, I'm going to take like around 30 minutes to plant thoughts, emotions in this garden. And how can we uh, like uh, think about kind of like uh, planting this garden is, is very important. So uh, it could be even reading 30 minutes of erotic uh, novel. So kind of like helping you to kind of like uh, practice that, that muscle. There are podcasts, there are apps that are reading erotic material to you. And then it can like, it can help you also. Like it doesn't mean like you can masturbate with it or not. But I'm thinking about this is something that I want to kind of like add to my sexual life. It could be kind of like you kind of taking time to fantasize and writing the sexy stories that you want to be part of. But what's important to kind of like start practicing that muscle, because it's my experience that the richer that your uh, erotic mind is, uh, the better sex you will have. And and that's a skill that anyone can cultivate. I love thinking about a secret garden and planting things in there for yourself. I think that's a perfect homework to do for all of us. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love it. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. And how can listeners connect with you? Oh, excellent. Thank you so much for inviting me. So you can, they can check out my information, my podcast at sexologypodcast.com. It's so good. Check it out. We love it. Thank you so much to Dr. Mowali for being on the episode today. We are so excited that we got to talk to her about all the things regarding stress and sex and all the emotions. And thank you so much to our listeners for tuning in. And if you loved today's episode as much as we did and you want to keep this party going, you can follow us on Instagram at Podcast. And, and, and you can head to our website, honeydoomepodcast.com and subscribe to our email list. But why, Cass? Well, if you subscribe to our email list, you're going to get our freebie, which is currently a list of our 10 favorite sex things, my game changers, Emma's non-negotiables. And we're not going to lie. I think they're really good. They are really good. And please, if you have time, rate, review, and subscribe to Honey Do Me Podcast on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get out to other people. We really believe in the information that we're sharing, and we want to get this out to as many people as possible. So we'll see you next episode. See you soon.